0: Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in New York City, New York, it's time for the special on the road edition of Learning Insights featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. And we are back. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. Stone Peyton Lee Cantor here with you on behalf of Training Pros, broadcasting live from the Helmsley Building on Park Avenue in beautiful New York City. This has been a lot of fun, hasn't it? Yep, a lot of fun. It's always great to come to New York. Hey, this segment is going to be no exception. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast Client Learning Officer Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation, Mr. Kaleem Islam. How are you, man?
1: Hey, guys, thanks for having me. It's fantastic. Anytime we talk about training, I love doing that.
0: Uh, can you share a little bit before we get too
2: far into this about uh, DTCC? What are you guys doing for folks? Sure, sure. So the Depository
1: Trust and Clearing Corporation, we're the world's largest post-trade infrastructure organization, and through our subsidiaries, we provide lear, uh, Excuse me, uh, solutions, financial solutions to the financial marketplace that helps it grow and helps it move forward. Uh, We operate in 13 countries. We have thousands of of clients, Mm -hmm. and those clients are institutions, banks, brokers, brokers, dealers, uh, those types of folks. So you
2: have a lot of different constituents who have different learning needs then.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And in general sense, the the organization is structured into about four or five businesses. And I don't want to bore your um, training audience with financial jargon, but clearing services, uh, settlement services, asset services, um, data depository services and wealth management and insurance services. So my job is to teach the employees of all those institutions Mm -hmm. how to use the products and services that all those different businesses offer.
2: Now, have you personally been in finance your whole career? This is a sort of a second or third stop Uh for
1: me. Uh,
0: (laughs) It's your last chance? Is that what you said? (laughs) Well,
1: um, I started off as a school teacher.
0: Is that Um, right?
1: Yeah, I was a school teacher in, in New York City, New York City Public Schools. And I had a propensity for using technology to help children learn.
2: And children and adults are the same thing, right? Same. Well, no,
1: big, big, <laughs> big, big difference. Children have no agendas. <laughs> so um, from there, I went to a high school where I was overseeing their technology um, infrastructure, and I migrated them from the Stone Age into the modern, um, modern era. And I used my technology background to move into uh, um, doing some technology stuff for a financial service firm. But I sort of always had the teacher in me. Mm-hmm. So I'm in a meeting one day, and we're going to deploy a new, um, a new email system to the company. This is back when people were using Microsoft Mail, so a long time ago, and asked a real dumb question. I said, well, what's going to happen on Monday morning when you uh, uh, migrate everyone to a new um, email system over the weekend? Well, they said, well, the calls are going to go through the roof. <laughs> I said, well, can you handle it? <laughs> they said, no. They said, what should we do? I said, well, you got to train people. So rather than migrating the whole company at one time, you migrate department by department. Mm -hmm. You send them to the training class. And when they come out, uh, the new email system will be on their desktop. They will have learned it. They can use it and and apply the learning right away. So
2: that was your idea to train them first before deploying it?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That probably was better. Yeah,
1: So they said, well, you know, who's <laughs> going to build the training? I said, well, I can do it. So I went home that weekend and I built a training program. And you
2: had never done this before? Wow.
1: Well, I was a school teacher, so I right. knew about building training. He knew training. how to do <laughs> a lesson plan.
0: <laughs> exactly. man knew how to structure a lesson plan.
1: Right. So, um, you know, that was successful. And I'm in another meeting, you know, a few months later. They're going to deploy new, another system. Same scenario. What's going to happen when you deploy the new system? Okay, Kaleem, can you do the training? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the third time it happened, they said, well, Kaleem, can you do the training? I said, absolutely not. No way I do it. And they said, well, why not? I said, because we're doing this piecemeal, guys. We're doing this. We're, we're putting out fires. What we need to do is understand what, uh, where the company's going. Right. And try to figure out what knowledge, skills, and abilities. More strategically, right?
2: Absolutely. Instead of pro- just reactively.
1: Absolutely. So I went home that weekend. And I wrote a strategic training plan with me as the head of this new, newly <laughs> <laughs> created nice. training wow. department. Nicely played. <laughs> right. And I put the proposal in front of the president and he said, hey, start hiring your staff. And that's how my, um, wow. my uh, financial services training uh, career started.
2: What a great story. That is impressive. So that was kind of, was it hard to leave the um, school system to, to do it uh, working with adults?
1: Well, it was different. So I like helping people. And uh-huh. I think, you know, one day my, my probably last thought will be to go back to and go use back, all, go back and use all of my experiences and create a, a, an educational environment that really helps kids. Right. Yeah.
2: So now we're here to talk about agile. Can you share a little bit about what is agile and uh, how does it fit in?
1: Sure. Agile is just like the, the, the word implies. It's really being able to adjust. Mm-hmm. When changes come, when changes in priorities come, when changes in requirements come, it's, it's it's allowing your training organization to basically stop on a dime and go in a different direction.
2: That ability to pivot is so important because Absolutely. things change so quickly in today's world.
1: Absolutely. So I would say a an agile training organization is one that's always working on the item that is of the highest priority to their to their clients. Or one, it's a training organization that's able to quickly adjust to the again changing requirements and cha- changing needs of the organization. Mm -hmm. It's it's an organization that are focusing as or functioning as consultants to the business. And it's an organization where you don't have to try to scratch your head to figure out if you're providing value or not because your internal clients are singing your praises and telling everyone how much value you bring.
2: So now is this a a top-down type of philosophy that has to come from above and then they tell everybody, okay, we're Agile now? Or is it, are you... Are <laughs> no,
0: you, that's the short, that's the microwave method.
2: <laughs> or are you are you taking what the people on the front lines that are doing the work are needing and then adjusting to whatever their needs are?
1: Well, well, this is really interesting. The beauty, of, and you, you actually have it, the, the beauty of Agile is that you really don't need to manage. The, the employees decide for themselves...
2: What's the most important?
1: What's the mo- impo- most important thing? So... There's basically three tools that you use with Agile, so it's, it's unbelievable how simple it is. There's this thing called a product backlog, and that's simply a list of all the priorities that, that exist in the organization.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then there's a, something called a sprint backlog, which is these are the things that we're going to work on within you know, the two weeks or whatever, however long your sprint is. Mm-hmm. And a sprint is just what's called an iteration or a period of time. And you want to make sure that this period of time is how long can you hold off change? So, if you know in your organization that you know if this thing is, is on the cutting room floor for a week, they're going to change it. Then your sprints need to be a week in, in duration. Sure. If it's two week or two weeks or a month, then that's and that how long varies. The need
2: to be. You know, company to company, right? Absolutely. Or even department to department.
1: Absolutely. So that, that can be determined by uh, by your organization. Mm-hmm. So essentially, what you do is you, you you take a look at this product backlog and it's this this big list. You work with your clients and you identify well, what's your highest priority? And
0: then you look at what your capacity is. You now, that's not a short answer, though, right? If you get more than two people in a room yeah, and yeah. you ask them what's their highest priority, that, that, you better know how to facilitate. Am Absolutely. I right? Absolutely. But the problem with training organizations, right, we don't have these conversations. Right.
1: So you're unclear of what the priorities are. Right. You start working on something and then they come back and say, well, why did you work
2: on that? Right. Or they go, it's not used. And you're like, I just spent three months building this. Absolutely. And then you tell me why it's not used. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. So you have the conversations with your stakeholders and you get agreement on, on what the highest priority yeah, items right. are. You only work on those. You take all of your resources to, to spend as many hours as possible. So like an
2: 80-20 rule on the most important things?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And then let's say, for example, your sprint's two weeks. You've committed to doing you know, these items within the two-week period. At the end of those two weeks, you present to your client what you've done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, hopefully you have, well, you should have acceptance criteria. Mm. And then, you know, you agree or you disagree about whether or not they accept it. Then you go right back to that product um, product backlog and say, okay, listen, right now, this item here is number two. Has anything changed? Right. And guess what? Typically, number five becomes number mm-hmm. two, number two becomes number <laughs> right. ten. But because you're having that conversation, you're able to make the adjustments and say, okay, well, guys, you know, here's what we're going wor- to work on during the next sprint.
2: So not only do you have to have the um, kind of this communication level of probably almost – on in real time almost right because as you're building this the priorities could have changed absolutely and uh, but you also have to um are you trying to create a minimum viable product in order you know when they say okay this is the most important thing are you trying to make something perfect
1: no or are you just not. trying
2: to make it so that we can see if this is going to work and then uh, then we roll it out from there
1: well, yeah, you're right. So, so, no, you absolutely do not try to make it perfect. But the beauty, beautiful thing about Agile, if you're going to fail, you want to fail fast, uh, right? right? You, <laughs> you, want <to laughs> you want to know as quickly as possible, hey, it's not this is not going to work. This is not, work. Right. This is not hit, um, meeting the mustard. So uh, what you do, let's say, for example, that... Um, um,
2: yeah, maybe share a story exactly. of maybe a real-life example about how this played out.
1: Okay, I'll, I'll give a real-life example. Um, so we were asked by a line of business. They were deploying a new financial service system mm-hmm. to the industry. And they came to us and they said, well, you know, what do you, what do you think? So, so we looked at it, and our recommendation were, was a number of things. You, you probably need you know, um, help files, you probably need user documentation, you probably need some type of introduction webinars and, and, and webcasts. This is what we see that you need for this, um, right. for this solution. And then we had some conversations about what the highest priority item right. was. And let's. And say
2: together, you're doing this together because you both have a common goal of
1: absolutely. the same outcome. Absolutely. Right? So, you, so, you, so you had you had this this collaboration, and so clearly we can't build all of those items within a two right. week. Right. It's calendar, not realistic. Right. So what we did is we looked at the highest priority item, which in this case was uh, the help files. And then we decompose that help file, those health files, into smaller chunks.
2: So that's you take the big thing you're looking for and then you chunk it out into kind of bite-sized pieces.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And then we looked at, okay, what can we complete?
2: Right. So now you prioritize those chunks, right? And then say, okay, these three are going to get done.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and at the end of that sprint period, in our our case, it's it's a two-week period. We present what we've done. Mm -hmm. Now, we've already... Um, ascertain acceptance criteria from the client. Right. So we built those acceptance criteria and you know, they either accept it or, or, or they say, hey, things have changed. Right. Now here's the beauty of it. Let's say, for example, the acceptance criteria has changed. Okay.
2: Like, What's an example of an acceptance criteria?
1: Uh, uh, the color needs to be red. And, you know, the, 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 right. the banner needs to be red instead of blue. Right? So now we've built it based on what the acceptance criteria was. When we deliver it to them, they say, Hey, within this two week period, the acceptance criteria changed. Can you change it? Absolutely, we can. And it will be the first thing that we do in the next sprint. Okay. Mm-hmm. But now, since we've built this to your acceptance criteria, can we agree that we built it to the specifications that you, you asked to? for two weeks ago? Yep. Right. right. Yes, they sign off on that. And now let's look at your product backlog. Where does changing the banner from red to blue right. fall? Is
0: that the new number one? Absolute or is that number right. four now?
1: Absolutely. But that right?
0: takes some real discipline, right? For for someone in the, the department or in that functional area, particularly if they are having that kind of conversation with a senior level executive, that takes some what's the word I'm looking for? I mean you gotta have you, no, <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta have that self worth that, that and really you gotta view push yourself back. as a as a it, right? peer. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it has to be peer to peer and you it's have to be, be saying, up. Look. Yeah.
1: So what you're really talking about is, is, is a different types of competencies that you're looking for right. and a training professional that's working in an agile environment. So it's not about I'm a great instructional designer, right. I'm a great uh, writer, I'm, I'm a great um, um, programmer. You really have to be almost like a doctor.
2: Right. It's right? a prescription and you're yeah. the doctor. And, and also it's a philosophy. and a mindset. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because yeah. if you're all buying into this, then these are the rules of engagement here, right? Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And the hardest thing with Agile is the culture change that goes right. goes along there with it. There you go. So uh, uh, when we worked, the larger organization was not using Agile.
2: Oh, really? No. So, oh,
0: so d- this wasn't... Man, you are a renegade, aren't
2: you? <laughs> <laughs> so you're the one who wow. was the catalyst for Agile in your organization? Well, for the training team using Agile. So it was really
1: interesting. We started using Agile in the training organization, and we interface heavily with the technology group because they're building the infrastructure for the financial service products. Right. And the folks in IT heard that we, that we were using Agile, and I wrote a, a blog on the company uh, on the company website. I started getting all these calls from the IT people. Hey, can you talk to my manager so we can <laughs> use Agile, too? <laughs> so
2: you were using it before the IT people? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's man, unusual, isn't it, is in industry? Why
0: the, typically the technology it's uses this, Agile? It's like software okay. development is where it came from, right? Well, that's that, where it came from. Is that, the world, from? Right. that from? Yeah, that's yeah. the
1: world that it came from? That's the world that it came from. In our organization, uh, right. the technology team was using a, a waterfall approach to, uh-huh. um, to software development.
0: Yeah. So that's
2: interesting. Yeah. So was that, one? now that you've started using it, are you finding more and more departments are, are wanting to kind of st- learn how to implement it?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So some of my team has functioned as quasi-coaches <laughs> to some of the other organizations. So now you're
0: the, um, what is it, the SME for this? <laughs> so I want to talk about prerequisites because we, we kind of touched on it. Part of it is the the type of person, I mean, you can't have a job-scared guy who might be a good platform instructor no you got to have someone who is or wants to be a strategic resource absolutely Uh, and surely there are other prerequisites as well individual and organizational can you speak to some of those well so so we we
1: don't look for people that are uh, again the greatest platform instructor or the greatest uh, uh, e-learning producer Uh, we look for people who can uh, collaborate we look for people who can uh, project manage. We look for people who can push back. And we look for people who who desire to function as a consultant right. within your organization. So and what, not like an order taker. Oh, absolutely not. That's the, the, the worst thing that you can do um, in, in my learning organization is um, when we're having a conversation about a project that you did for a client and asking, well, why did you do it? Um, if you say, because they asked me to.
0: Then, <laughs> That's the wrong you, answer. You, you,
1: you don't want to, you know, you don't want to be on the receiving no. end of, <laughs> of that type of conversation, um, because I, I always say, I always ask, to, I always use this this response when people ask me that. I say, well, you built this program, right? And My response is, so what? What if you didn't do it? Right. What would happen? What's happened as a result of you doing it? Mm-hmm. Why is this important? Why should I care? And you know, so over time, we, we've changed the culture so that that when someone talks about a program that they've design or some, some way that they helped a product person, they're always talking about the ROI, the business impact, the, right. the so what of uh, the learning solution that they've developed.
2: So now when you're implementing this uh change in culture like this, how do you find the talent that is gonna be nimble enough to uh thrive in this environment? Because Yeah, where are they for, hanging out? I want not, some of
0: these guys on my team.
2: Right, but it's not for everybody, right? This is no. almost a kind of a personality type right that is comfortable in this a certain level of chaos because things change so rapidly and some people are more comfortable in like i know i did this last week so i'm doing this this week and you know it's a different kind of mindset
1: yeah so you you have to look uh, again, like you said look for a different skill set one of the things we've done in our organization is that we've done a disk analysis with the entire Organization. Uh-huh. So we know, we know people's personality profiles.
2: So what's the profile of somebody who's comfortable in this environment? <laughs> Is that the secret sauce at DTCC? Uh, the, secret, yeah. the secret
1: sauce, if you're familiar with the, this profile would be probably a combination of a, a high D and high I. Uh-huh. So you have to be a, a, a directive person, but you also have to be an influencer. Mm-hmm. So a, a red and yellow. Those are the two colors that would really work well in this um, right. in this environment.
2: And you find that it plays out in real life that. If they're uh, high red and yellow, then they do well in this.
1: Yeah, th- those are the people that, that thrive most in my organization. So I see, what are you? I'm, I'm red yellow. Red yellow. The only thing that saves me is yellow. <laughs> 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 if I wasn't able to influence, I would be in trouble. Just ask my wife.
0: <laughs> That's great. So measuring success in, in this kind of environment, uh, you touched on it a, a, a little while ago in that you, if you have a defined um a, a defined part of the process, and you've done what you contracted to do. Mm-hmm. You make sure that that's all documented, uh, and then you move on. What are some some other considerations for establishing success metrics and documenting success and that kind of thing in this kind of world?
1: Yeah, so I would say ultimately, us building the, building the solution is not a, is not success. Okay, it just so what it, you remember so, the what? so what from earlier, yeah,
0: right? right. <laughs> so what now? What right? exactly?
1: It just means that we've built a solution, okay? We've only been successful if the problem that we were trying to solve goes away. And I'm going to go back to the doctor, doctor analogy. So, you know, you tell your doctor, hey, doc, you know, my, my throat hurts. Can you prescribe me some antibiotics? Now, if your doctor's a good doctor, he'll say, listen, I know your throat hurts. Why don't you come in and let me, let me look right. at you, right? Now, he'll look at you and he'll, he'll examine you. And certainly if what you have requires you to have antibiotics, he will, he'll, um, you know, he'll prescribe that. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's something different that you need, he'll give you something different.
2: Right. He might give you a throat loss. <laughs> might
1: give you a throat <laughs> loss. So if that's what you need. Um, but ultimately, you, you only consider that doctor a good doctor if your pain goes away.
2: Right. What good is having antibiotics if you still have a sore throat? Absolutely. Right? So
1: so, so we have to really prescribe and identify what the real problem is, what the root problem is. And that's, that's what you have to do if you're in my organization. Don't just say yes to training. Say, okay, I I, I get it. You think you need training. Explain to me why. Right. Tell me what's
2: going on. What's happening in your business? So you got to peel back some layers, right? You can't just take their word because they may not even know.
1: Absolutely. So at the end of the day, uh, success is not we built this training solution. Success is if the problem that we identified at the beginning of the process, if that goes away, we've been successful. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm so proud that in my organization, we've been able to do that. Uh, where we're able to go ahead and map back and and, and say, hey, listen, we know we've been successful because you know these three, four, five, ten problems that you had, those are gone
2: now. Right. Do you have one that you're most proud of? Anything yeah, that well, you we... have a, a big success <laughs> story?
1: <laughs> and so two, right? So this one is one is a simple one. One was more complicated. Um, one was one of our operations folks came to us and said, hey, listen, I, you need to train my people. They're making they're making all these mistakes. I said, okay, well. Why? Why do you think they're making mistakes? So that they, they, they're inputting wrong, and we're getting problems, and it's costing us a lot of money. Now we started. We asked, is everyone making mistakes? Not just the new folks. So we started asking some more questions. We started interviewing some of the employees, and what we found out is the mistakes that they were making was that they were entering the wrong reason codes, mm-hmm. and this is just a code that tells you why this problem happened. Right. Well if you've been around for 25 years you have probably you probably know right. every reason code that it, that, right. that it is but the newer newer employees haven't been around they didn't know okay so they were just guessing like they, best guess yeah <laughs> they they were doing the best that that, that they could right. but you can't train someone on how to memorize a reason code right so we said listen we made a cheat sheet we slapped it on people's uh, on people's PCs the calls came in they looked at the reason code and they put it in problem solved you know so very very quick cheap learning solution that um, solved the problem that was right. not training.
2: Right. But it wasn't like, here, go to this class now mm-hmm. and memorize <laughs>
1: all this. Absolutely. Uh, the second example was there was a new product rollout that we were doing to the entire, not new product rollout, but a transformation of systems that um, people in financial services have been using for years. Mm-hmm. We rewrote the whole new, whole new system. And our product managers came to us and they they felt they need, knew what we needed to do. Okay, We just need mm-hmm. to have instructors go all over the country and train these people on all the new things that were. Uh, how that many been people? In the
2: systems. How many people were that? A bit?
1: <laughs> we we still be doing it now. <laughs> okay. um, so we looked at what the problem was, and we we essentially had to sell them on on short videos, mm-hmm. which they were were totally against. No way it's going to work. You can't capture everything that you need. But we because
2: they thought it was too complicated of a.
1: Absolutely. Right. So, so we went we went out to uh, to to some clients directly. And we got some feedback and and had another meeting with the product managers and my, our clients they, they won't go for it they said well you know what we actually talked to a couple of clients and i think you know there may be some
2: right maybe
1: one or two <laughs> there may be some who who will like this solution so if you allow us to to do data test do, right exactly do this solution for the few and get some feedback well by the time we finished the, the project, you'd have thought it was the product manager's uh, <laughs> idea, idea. to right? go ahead and... But that's right. okay. <laughs>
2: right. As long as they, they got the outcome, right? It doesn't matter. It gets the credit, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So I, I get the sense that there's a growing body of work and uh, literature available for people who are interested in adopting Agile for for anything, but particularly this, this arena. Is, is that the case?
1: Okay. So in terms of books about Agile, there are plenty of books about Agile, but it, it typically... Refers to how it's used in software development. Right, right. Um, I've actually written a book on um, agile methodology for developing and training, uh, developing and measuring learning.
0: Okay, great. That's available. So uh, let's make sure we get those sure. those um, particulars. Sure. So where can we get that?
1: Well, you can go to my website, thetrainingpro.net, tra- uh-huh. and there's, there are links there. You can go. You the can Google training it. training pro. Thetrainingpro.net. Uh-huh. Uh You can go to Google and just uh, type in agile for training and my name, and and you'll get it. And um, you can go to Amazon and get it.
0: And now you can listen to this interview, Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So
2: now what, if you were going to, you know, for the people who haven't read the book, is there, can you give us like maybe some do's and don'ts if you were to start this or or considering implementing this?
1: Well, I would say if you want to implement it quickly, you have to have a burning platform Mm -hmm. um, because you you have to get your whole team behind it. Right. Because this is a total change in approach and culture and culture. And you don't have a lot of benchmarks out there in terms of the literature around training and development, on doing it this way. Every, everything's Thank waterfall.
2: goodness there's a book. Oh, thank you.
1: <laughs> and a class, too. So I actually, I've actually built an online um, course on Udemy where if you want to go through it and, and take oh, the nice. class. Oh, nice, you nice. Know. So that's available also.
2: So yeah. that's, uh, so you've got to have that kind of buy-in and then really um, kind of have a culture shift in the organization.
1: A culture shift. And the other thing, as a manager, as a leader who's, who's overseeing it, what you have to do is resist your, your propensity to giving people the answers. Um, just people, trust your people. Trust your people. They're going to make mistakes, um, find mm-hmm. the good, and just keep pointing out the good, pointing out the good. And what happens is over time they become more confident, mm-hmm. and, and they figure out how how do I tailor agile to my unique situation? And that's what you want.
2: Now, is there anything that you see when you're implementing this that the uh, learner, a mistake the learner makes that maybe they, we can avoid making? Like is it they're not open to being that driver of the because they're the driver of the program, right?
1: When you say the learner.
2: The, the, the person ed- that you're, you're doing agile in order to impact this change, so the person that is learning, mm-hmm. they have to kind of be open to it too, right?
1: Well, when you say the learner, so the end user of the solution that you're, you're developing, many times they have no, no input into the solution itself. Right. They, you know, so usually it's their manager or it's, it's someone else that's determining, hey, we need a learning solution for this, for this particular problem. The learner will get involved if during your analysis you're, ha- you're doing you know, sort of a, 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 um, um, a person analysis to identify what the specific needs of the individual are. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically in terms of building the solution, the, the end user doesn't play a, a, a... So it's kind of
2: invisible yeah. to the end user. Absolutely. But Absolutely. it's the... Stakeholder. The, that they're the ones that have to have the buy-in.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, what you find is, is initially they're wondering, why am I meeting with you for an hour every two weeks I and mean, it's a lot of time for for an executive or a senior level person yeah, it doesn't
0: know. feel agile at first right
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> right <But> what <laughs> happens over time you, you, get, you get into a, a rhythm, rhythm and it, becomes, right. it becomes real quick and and what they see is wow we have a lot of input into our learning solution number number one and number two we can trust these guys
0: <laughs> you know? oh and that is so important and i'll tell you without that 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 authorship that that con- contribution role yeah, um, consciously or unconsciously, if you're not careful, those mid-level managers will untrain them quicker than you can train them.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And so, one of the things we, we spend a lot of time understanding how good a job or how bad a job we're doing in that area. So we we employ Net Promoter Score. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. So we employ Net Promoter Score, and typically in financial. Why don't, why
2: don't you educate the listeners who sure. aren't familiar with that?
1: So Net Promoter Score essentially it's 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 it is not satisfaction. What you essentially do is you ask your client, on a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to refer this service to one of your friends? Because all the Gallup research says that that's where most revenue is generated through word of mouth. Right. Someone, someone mm-hmm. recommends a product or a service and their friends go out and buy it. So on net promoter score from a zero to a 10, where zero, not at all, right. to a 10 where it's highly likely. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Sure. So nine and 10, those, anyone that gives you a nine and a 10, those people are considered promoters. Anyone that gives you a one through a six is considered a detractor, Uh right? And seven and eight are considered passive. So to to calculate the NPS scores, you take all the people that gave you nine and tens and you subtract that number from all the people that gave you one through six, okay? So if you compare it to satisfaction, let's say, for example... It
0: all sounds like a big reality check to me. Mm -hmm. No, (laughs) no
1: it is. Right? Right? So if if you survey 100 people... And 50 people gave you a, uh, excuse me, 80 people gave you a six, right? Now, in terms of satisfaction, that's above five. So you'd say, hey, 80% uh, right. satisfaction, right? right? And let's say 20% gave you a nine and 10. Well, that's that's 100% satisfaction. Right. But with net promoter score, it'd be those two, uh, or 20, that gave you the um, nine and 10. You subtract the <laughs> 80. So your net promoter score would be negative, what, what negative 80, negative
0: 60? That's right. Yeah, What's negative it? 60. And
2: you're not high-fiving, but this that, is
0: but, more realistic. So, I mean, to, to even approach any of this, you have to you have to really be serious. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. this is not something you you dabble at. You, oh, you either do this or you don't. Oh, right? let me
1: th- when we when we got our first net promoter score, <laughs> 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 I nearly fell out in my chair, and I was trying to figure out how am I going to explain this to my boss <laughs> right. because I knew that he was going to be looking at it from the perspective of of, of satisfaction. Right. right. So benchmarks are important. So in financial service, I believe the 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 average net promoter score is about 13. Right, the highest net promoter score that exists in financial services is USAA. They've got like an eighty something wow. percent financial. Uh-huh, yeah. I mean, uh, net promoter score—they're through that's the roof. That's
0: crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good.
1: Harley Davidson,
2: right?
0: Apple. Uh.
1: You know, high net promoter scores—people that would recommend the products or service.
0: I bet malou has got eighty plus, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anything that's positive is considered good with um, a net promoter score, right. and double digits is considered great. So we just did our Q3 net promoter score with our um, process partners. It was 50. Wow. Okay. Which is Man. really good. And we did it with our employees. Right. You know, would you, ref- to, we asked them two questions. Would you refer your, how likely are you to refer your manager? And how likely are you to, to refer this organization as a place to work?
2: Okay. Like to a friend or something like that? Okay. So right.
1: our manager wow. score, the net promoter score was 78. Wow. And the, this place as a place to work was 65.
2: Wow. That's great. Okay. That's phenomenal.
1: So. What that says is our employees are really not just satisfied with where they work. They're actively promoting, saying, Wow, right. if you want to work somewhere,
2: They're proud, right. Yeah. And so that's, that's huge. That's great. Yeah. So the first time you do that thing, you're probably on pins and needles. You don't know what's going to come at you, right? Let me tell you.
1: I, I <laughs> sat in my seat. I, I, was, I was waiting for the knock on the door saying, you know, <laughs> you got to go. Um, but we, 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 again, the company doesn't do it, but right. we do it. Because right. we, we we think it's important. We think we need to have a higher threshold for for success.
0: Man, this is so inspiring. I yeah, mean, that get, is great. Keep up the good work, man. And you can see why the guy writes books and does and does radio right. interviews. This is fantastic. And I guess I have to I have to admit, maybe you'd be willing to as well. Lee, it really never occurred to me to to apply agile to the learning and and uh, and right. development function. I bet that's the case with a lot of folks.
2: But it's great that you. Coming from where you came from to where you are, you looked at it through fresh eyes, and you you just want to solve the problem. And then Agile seems like a great way to solve problems in this one industry. So why couldn't it work in ours?
1: Well, it, it it started when I was teaching school. So I I came out of the military, and I wanted to make a difference. And I started teaching uh, school in New York City and in, in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And that's before Brooklyn Bushwick has sort of transformed. at that time it was a really poor community where. Uh, if you, if you go down the street and you would pan the camera, you'd see burnt-out buildings and, and graffiti, Re- really poor, drug-infested community. And I wanted to help children learn. And I, I quickly realized that what we were doing wasn't working. So at that time, I had my own personal brother word processor. You guys are too young to remember, <laughs>
0: remember
1: those <things. laughs> No, I'm not. <laughs> I remember, I remember and, the brother. And I said, well, hey, maybe if we bought some technology. So I, I bought a brother word processor, and I told the kids, hey, you know what? If you guys can finish your work, you get a chance to type on this word <laughs> processor. And I started getting these kids' attention. Right. And then I had an old uh, 286, IBM 286 yeah. computer with a five and a half inch, two five mm. and a half inch floppy. So what the heck, I bought <laughs> that in. So I had two computer workstations um, in, or I guess, two computer mm. workstations in, in, in my classroom. And, and and things got a little bit better. And I started getting old computers and fixing them up and, and bringing them into the classroom. And I started using learning centers before that was, um, that was typically being used, where children would, would rotate. They wouldn't just sit in the same seat for the whole hour. So right. every 15 to 20 minutes in my A classroom. A new kid
2: gets to play on it, right?
1: And they would rotate. And, and, and we took children who, who were not successful in their entire school career. I'm talking about you know, the average score and the de- degree of reading powers test for that class at the time, fourth graders, was the sixth percentile. The mode score was the one th- first percentile. More. One kid was in the 12th percentile, but he was too yeah. smart, so they moved him out of my class. <laughs> right? So we, we, we took those kids, and we used that, that model where they were moving around, where they were using te- uh, technology. Um, again, I had a military background, so we used some of that stuff also. And we took them from the 6th to the 48th percentile, and it was unheard of. They said, wait, you must have cheated. We got we to retest. <laughs> we got to retest to make like sure. Like that the- movie. I saw I mean, remember that yeah. movie? <laughs> <laughs> and um, retested, and, you know, it was legitimate. Um, so it wasn't about delivering instruction. It was about helping these kids learn, helping, mm-hmm. helping these kids have success in an area where they hadn't had success in their whole short right. lives.
2: But you were engaging. Yeah. I'm sure there was discipline. Absolutely. There was, um, you know, all of the, the, uh, things you would need to be successful. You were just providing it in a way that they, they wanted to learn. Yeah. I mean, and they probably hadn't wanted to learn their whole lives. Yeah. Yeah. So I can so see I, where I could see... You want to go back to that point yeah. sometimes. So I'll tell you a good story. Those lives.
1: Let me let me tell you a, a great story. So um, I'm I'm a nerd. So on Sundays, but getting ready for work, I watch the CEO Exchange on on, on PBS. Mm-hmm. So one Sunday, I'm getting ready for work. I'm my back's to the TV and I'm ironing my shirt, and I hear them talk about this family that graduated from Harvard Business School, and um, and started the import export wine business from South Africa. Right. I said, oh, that's that's interesting. I said, yeah, you know, the Cuffy family. So. Wow, well, I had a kid named Cuffy. And they said, well, you know, Kari and Sharon Cuffy. I said, you gotta be kidding me. I turned around and on television is my kid, one of my kids that was in that, one, oh,
2: in that... From fourth grade? Get in, out of here. In,
1: in that fourth grade class. I couldn't believe it. So I get on my laptop and I send an email to, to the email to the show and I say, hey, listen, I'm not trying to stalk this mm-hmm. kid, but um, I used to be his teacher. Please pass forward his contact, right. my, my contact information. About fifteen minutes later, I get a phone call. Excuse me, I get an email from the show saying, "We'll do." Ten minutes after that, I get an email from his wife, who I'd never met, obviously, sure. who said, you know, you know, "Mr. Islam, he talks about you all the time. He's out the country right now, but here's his contact information. I'll let him know that you wow. um, that you contacted him." Fifteen minutes later, I get a call from my, from my from my boy. Wow! And uh, oh, You know, he says, "How I, I always think about you, and and uh, you know, I appreciate what you, what you, what you did for me." The following month. On um, Black Enterprise Magazine, he's on the cover with his wow. wife. One of <laughs> the 30 best black small businesses in America.
2: Wow. So um, so you can see the impact. Yeah.
0: And that's just one incident. You have right. no idea how many lives you've impacted, how or many how lives many this kid impacted. has
2: impacted because of yeah. you impacted him.
1: Yeah. So, so training is all about making a difference, not just delivering a solution. That's right. But making sure that problem that you identified up front, that you do a good job of, of examining and diagnosing the problem. And that you prescribe a solution that's going to make that problem
2: go away. Good stuff.
0: Oh man, this has been uh, this has been invigorating. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for coming and hanging with us, man. Well, guys, thanks for having me. And I, you know, I, I,
1: anytime I love to come back. This this is fun.
0: No, we're going to do this again. We're okay. going we're going to catch it. You're you're based here in the general area, right?
1: I'm I'm based in Tampa, but I have I have a team up here in, in the no, New York no. region.
0: We're doing Tampa. Okay. I love Tampa. All right, <laughs> we go wherever you want to go. You got uh, it. <laughs> but before we wrap, uh, one more time, coordinate so that uh, our listeners can get their hands on on this book and keep sure. up with the with, with what you're doing
1: okay the book is called agile methodologies for developing and measuring learning it's available on amazon or you can go to my site thetrainingpro.net, and also i have a udemy course on agile for developing and measuring learning that can be found on
2: udemy.com and that's they can go to that website and get a hold of you if they wanted to chat and you'd be open to having a conversation with anybody interested in absolutely. this subject right absolutely i love talking about this stuff
0: All right, that's a wrap. We'll be back in a few from Park Avenue. This has been a special
1: Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.